you're listening to Not So Risky Business Podcast, where we make legal easy for you by unlocking access to essential legal information, training, and strategy for online businesses, coaches, and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Maryam Tsadurian. Welcome. Welcome back for another episode at Not So Risky Business Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a solo episode, meaning I'm not interviewing anyone. I guess I'm interviewing myself, where I'll be talking about the legal essentials for starting a coaching business. Now, majority of my audience are coaches, consultants, creatives, in other words, online business owners. Um, So it's important that you understand all the legal essentials, the basics that go into starting your coaching business, your consulting business, your online business. Depending where you are in your business, you might have a little bit more legal necessities that you need to take care of versus somebody who's just starting out. But the foundation of a business, protecting it legally at the foundation level, is common for most businesses out there and something that you should never ignore. Because while internet made it incredibly easy for anyone to create a business and make money, it also made incurring liability a lot easier. So if you have a business that you love, if your business is making the money for you that you love and want to keep making, then I suggest protect that business legally, take care of the legal essentials so that your business can have a long life and continue earning the income that you need in order to live your life the way you want to live your life. To begin with, we will address some of the beginner questions like business structure for your business, money, bank accounts, and then we'll go on to some other topics. So why is it important to have business protection for coaching businesses? Because as coaches or consultants, your business is actually more prone to incur liability than most other businesses. This is because not only do you have most likely what we call digital products nowadays, you know, such as online courses, online memberships, or online programs, you also have a life component to your coaching program. That means you either meet with your clients one-on-one or in a group setting. Either way, you are meeting with people. Another facet of your business is most likely you have people who work for you. Now, whether they are employees or contractors makes no difference because these are still people that are associating with your business in an employee or contractor capacity. All of this basically means that you are open to liability from your clients, from your contractors, from your employees, from your digital products, as well as your online presence. So it means you need to have a business that is secure, legally protected, so that you can actually work. You can scale, you can take on clients, you can scale your business to new heights without worrying about these legal legal headaches that can come up as you grow, as you scale, as you appear online more and more. So the very first thing that I want to tackle is choosing the right business structure for your online business. Now, as we know, 
there are different business structures out there from the simplest one of being a sole proprietorship to partnerships, to LLCs, corporations. And then within the corporation, there are also types of corporations, you know, such as C-Corps and S-Corps. And basically partnerships have types of partnerships and LLCs have partner uh, types of LLCs and so on. So what is the right structure for you to pick and kind of roll with to build your business upon? Now, the simplest structure, of course, is sole proprietorship. However, this is the case where simple doesn't always mean the best. In fact, avoid, 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 avoid having a sole proprietorship for your business, especially if you're a coach, a consultant, a creator who deals with people in their business. Sole proprietorship is the type of business where your personal assets, your personal identity is mixed with your business identity. They are not separate entities. It's one and the same thing. You even file taxes as the same entity, as the same person. So nothing is separate. It's an easy form to have. In fact, a lot of business owners initially when they start, they choose this because it's very simple. It's quick. There's almost no or very little paperwork involved to get started. However, this form of business, I don't even want to call it a form of business because it's really not. But this business structure does not protect you if you have to be responsible for something. So hypothetically, if uh, somebody uh, sued your business for whatever it is that you've done or didn't do, then your personal assets are not protected from this lawsuit. So if your business incurred debt, a liability that you're supposed to pay back, your personal assets can come into play to pay for that. So if you have a house or if you have a luxury car or bank accounts, savings accounts, all of those could be touched to pay for your business expenses, for your business debts and liabilities. So as a coaching business, stay away from sole proprietorships. A lot of businesses go with either LLCs, limited liability company, or corporations. Either one is fine. They both have their advantages and disadvantages. And it kind of depends what your goals are connected with your business to decide which one you should go with. Now, a lot of the times I do suggest that businesses start with LLCs. One, it's simple to form a lot less uh, formalities to form an LLC than a corporation. It's faster to get started. Um, Yet it gives you the limited liability protection that you want as a business owner, because this is an entity, a business structure that will keep your personal separate from your business as long as you treat them as separate. And we'll address that in a minute or two. Now, I love LLCs simple to form, fast to form, have less formalities that you need to abide by than corporations. And they offer you that limited liability protection. 
Corporations, on the other hand, they're still kind of easy to form as far as the formation is concerned, but they definitely have more formalities that you need to abide with. This, you know, includes things such as um, your annual meetings, meeting notes, accountability, and worrying about shares and all of that, and your board and directors and whatnot. So with corporations, there are more formalities. And with formalities, there comes a need for actual compliance. Because if you're not complying with the formalities that are in place for that particular business structure, well, then you might lose that limited liability protection that that particular business is offering you, business structure is offering you. There is a place where corporations are preferred over LLCs rather than forming an LLC or a multi-member LLC. Sometimes corporations are best. For example, if you're in the business, if you're growing a business that you intend to sell, let's say selling that business is something that you have in mind from day one, you're just growing it to a place where you can sell for profit, then corporation is a better structure to go with. If you intend to franchise your business in the near future. Again, corporation is a better structure to go with. And if there are multiple people, sometimes it makes sense to have a corporation rather than a multi-member LLC. In order to determine which one will be best for your particular situation, you would most likely need to consult your attorney for them to be able to figure that out for you through some um, questionnaires and uh, questions that they need to ask you. But LLCs and corporations, both great forms of business structures to have as a coach. Now, aside from the sole proprietorship that I said to avoid, another one that I would avoid are partnerships. Partnerships are very risky. They do not, general partnerships do not afford you the limited liability protection. Even the kind of partnerships that have limited liability protection in them uh, still are not as secure for coaches and consultants and online businesses as LLCs and corporations. So I would say stick with those two, LLCs and corporations as a business structure when you're just starting out or maybe expanding or scaling. The other part of making sure that all the legal essentials in your business are covered are to take care of all the licenses and permits requirements. Now, some businesses, not all, and in some locations, you might need to obtain specific permits to do business in that particular town or in that particular state. This is not for everyone, but uh, make sure to research. Make sure to look up your particular field is there a permit that you need? Does your city or county require a specific type of license or a permit that you need to have in place before you can do business, regardless what kind of business? Um, now, uh, sometimes online businesses have a little bit less requirement when it comes to these things like permits and licenses, just because a lot of the counties and cities, they haven't upgraded their way of thinking uh, to online businesses yet. They're still thinking brick and mortar. But make sure to double check just in case. If you need to have some form of a permit or a license in place, take care of that beforehand. Don't let that become a headache for you, right? With law, with legal protections in general for any business out there, not just coaches, not just consultants or online businesses in general. It is easier, less time consuming and 
definitely a lot cheaper if you're proactive versus when you're reacting to something that already went wrong. If something went wrong, then you will have to fix that. You will have to find an answer to that, a solution to that. And this can be a costly process to go through most of the time. However, being proactive is easy, it's cheap, and it will prevent a lot of headaches from happening in the future if you just take a few precautions along the way before anything goes wrong. The next step as a coach, as a consultant that you need to worry about, and this is a step that you need to be almost religious about, is protecting your intellectual property as a business. Now, every single business, bar none, has intellectual property that they need to protect. Not everyone knows that they have intellectual property. In fact, most businesses don't even know they have as much of an intellectual property as they actually do. So one of the services that I offer in my law firm is doing an IP audit for businesses. And by the end of that audit, they're surprised that they actually have that amount of intellectual property that I have uncovered for them because they think all they have is um, a trademark for their brand name or you know, copyright in the articles or videos that they have produced or something along the lines of those. But in reality, most businesses have a lot more to protect. So make sure to identify your IPs, your intellectual properties, and put them in an order of priority. What are the most important pieces that you need to protect first? And then what are sort of like the least important pieces, even though as a business owner, everything is important, but there's always a priority. There's always level of importance that you can have in your IP. So make sure your intellectual property is protected and make sure you enforce this protection. Now, I cannot stress the number of times I have come across advice from non-attorneys where, let's say, somebody was asking, what should I do? I found so-and-so is copying my article or they've used my image or something along those lines. And then I hear from other people saying, um, I wouldn't do anything at all because, you know, flattery, uh, um, imitation is the biggest form of flattery or, you know, they're just jealous. So they copied you. They can't touch you. You're the original. The other one might say, oh, like, I know that person. She's so nice. It's okay. Like, you know, just do a good deed and don't do anything. Like, what? Like, no, absolutely not. Somebody copies your IP. Somebody infringes your intellectual property. You need to act. You need to protect your intellectual property. Because if you don't, there is a very good chance that you might lose that intellectual property. Because we have this concept of diluting your rights. If you're not protecting them, your rights get weaker and weaker and weaker until at some point somebody can come along and challenge that and say, number one, you didn't protect your rights, you didn't enforce your rights, and your mark is at this point diluted. It's diluted, whatever, right? So make sure to protect it. Uh, protected by registering your trademarks, protected by registering your copyrights. If you have a patent, make sure to protect that as well. And then once you register them, it doesn't end there. You need to actively enforce it. So monitor it, 
Pulisic, and Forsyth. Those are things that every single business owner must do when it comes to their intellectual property rights. Because your IP is what actually brings the value of your business up. Your IP is what makes your business valuable. It's what gives you that aura of serious business owner because you have IP, because you have this rights, because you have this protections in place. Now, aside from IP, which is in my book, one of the most important things, there is another asset of your business, another part of your business that is equally as important, if not more. We're talking about your client agreements, your contracts. Now, as a coach, you deal with your clients either one-on-one or in a group setting. You probably have employees or contractors working for you, which means you also have to deal with them working in your business with your business, right? So that means you need to have contracts and agreements in place with your clients or prospective clients, and you need to have contracts and agreements in place with your employees and your contractors. These are going to be different kinds of agreements, you know, clients versus employees or contractors, but these are both the types of agreements that you need to have in place. And these agreements need to be comprehensive, meaning they need to be in detail. This need to be strong, legally binding, and enforceable above all else. This means for your contract to be enforceable, Both parties need to agree to it. There has to be clear meeting of the minds. This is a legal term. It means like both parties understand what it is and they agree to the terms. It needs to be fair. It cannot be unconscionable. This means your contract, while it's meant to protect you, it cannot protect you to the level where it puts the other party at a great harm or disadvantage. There needs to be fairness built in or cooked in with your agreements and contracts. And third requirement that I personally think is very important, this is not necessarily a legal requirement, but it is in business. Make sure your contracts are understandable. Now, several years ago, and a lot of the old school attorneys still do this, when they're writing a contract, they take pride in filling their contracts with a lot of legal mumbo jumbo and legalese. Yes, we go to law school. Yes, we learn a lot of Latin terms that have meaning. If anybody watched the movie Legally Blonde, they have probably seen that scene where she just connects a bunch of legal terms together, legal terms, you know, Latin words and phrases together when she's trying to get the dog from Paulette's ex-husband or boyfriend or whatever. And you keep watching her and hearing her. and You're like, what did she just say? Like all you hear is like laissez-faire and um, I don't even remember what she says at this point, but like a lot of Latin terms that yes, to an untrained ear, they sound like it's important. It sounds like, oh, like this is legal. Oh, this must be legally binding. But what is happening in reality is that the person 
reading your contract might not understand what they're reading. They might not understand their rights. They might not understand their obligations. They might not even understand like what limitations there are in your contract, what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. And they might sign that contract just because they want to be part of your program or they want to buy your product or they want to be coached by you. So this is not what you want. You want your agreements to be understandable by an average client, by an average consumer. So when they're reading it, they're actually understanding it. There's no reward for having a contract that cannot be understood by anyone, right? There is, there, there's no um, benefit to that. Your contracts need to sound like they're written by a human being it's because a human being is going to read these contracts and agreements. So make sure that they're understandable while getting your point across, while protecting you legally. So solid client contracts and agreements, solid agreements with your independent contractors and employees. Yes, this will be different kinds of contracts from the ones that you need to have with your clients because with independent contractors and or employees, you also need to worry about things such as business secrets, trade secrets, NDAs, you know, uh, client lists, customer lists, your leads, um, your processes, your methods, because those people working with you will be privy to all of that information within your business. So you don't want them to go to your competitor and give all this information to them or start a business with your information and becoming a um, direct competitor of yours with that knowledge in mind. That is unfair. So uh, agreements as far as clients are concerned, agreements as far as uh, employees and or contractors are concerned. Make sure they're solid, make sure they're detailed, and make sure that they're written in a way that people will understand when they're reading it. Um, the next kind of legal requirement that I want to uh, talk about uh, concerns your data privacy and collection tactics. Uh, data privacy is a big thing for online businesses. It is a big thing in general for any business out there, but it is even bigger, I, I would say, or more important for online-based businesses because we come across um, clients online. We come across certain information online that you don't have in the physical world. For example, things like IP addresses, things like... Um, email addresses, you know, and so on and so forth, or like pixels and cookies and their browsing history and their shopping history or retargeting them for certain things that they want to buy, abandoned carts and whatnot. So all of these are data that you can collect online when doing business. And we need to be very careful about how we're collecting this information, for what purpose, and to remember that there are actual laws out there that you need to abide by. One of those laws is the GDPR, which is the General Data Protection Regulation Act coming out of the European Union. Another one is the CCPA, California Consumer Privacy Act, which is California's version of GDPR almost. We have one that's coming out of Virginia. We have one from Brazil. We have one from Utah. Like So um, different states 
nowadays and different countries have their own privacy regulations and versions. So uh, I'm not saying that you need to sit down and you need to research every single country or every single state for privacy regulations, but at least the big ones you need to comply with and GDPR and CCPA are as big as they get. This means um, you need to have a privacy policy for your website, for your online business that outlines your data collection, storage, and use practices. So how are you collecting data? How are you storing it? For how long? Where? When are you going to delete that? And for what purpose are you collecting this data? Now, your privacy policy needs to be GDPR compliant. It needs to be CCPA uh, CCPA compliant. And I would go even as far as, say, make it Brazilian Privacy Act compliant and VCDPR compliant, which is the Virginia's uh, privacy regulation. You also need to identify in your privacy policy the type of information you collect, the type of personal data you collect. For example, are you collecting first names? Last names, emails, phone numbers, addresses, birth dates, social security numbers. I don't know. Whatever it is that you're collecting. Maybe you are in a medical field where you need to collect some sensitive data, like about their diagnosis, about their health, about their statistics, like health, um, um, height, weight, um, you know, I don't know, skin condition and all of that. Um, So whatever it is that you're collecting, make sure is absolutely necessary for you to do business. Now, one advice I would give to coaches and creatives out there when you're trying to protect your business legally so that you can scale, only collect the information that is absolutely essential for your business to function. In other words, if not having a last name not going to make or break your business, do not collect last names. If not having a phone number is not essential for your business to carry out its everyday business purpose and functions, do not collect the phone number. Same is true for other personal data, like date of birth, like driver's license numbers, like whatever your business is. If a piece of data is not absolutely essential, I would say collect less or on a side of collecting less than more. Uh, You would have less to put up with and less to worry about and less kind of practices that you need to have in place to be legally compliant for these things. You also need to have certain security measures in place when you're collecting personal data, when you're storing this data. For example, do you have a practice in place if somebody hacks your system. Let's say somebody gets their hands on this data that you've collected. Do you have a security measure in place? Number one, first, have you done everything in your power, reasonably in your power, to make sure that a breach like that would not happen? So have you protected your content? Is it behind like a firewall? Is it protected? Do you have maybe double authentication in place? Have you limited the number of people who will have access to this? Is it password protected? Like meaning it's not just open all the time when somebody can click on something and get access to this data. It's actually protected like with a password. If you've done all of that, that is reasonably necessary. Well, the next step is to have a process for addressing a breach if it happens. 
you usually need to notify everyone involved that a breach happened within 48 hours. So make sure you have a process in place for doing exactly that and minimizing the damage as much as possible. Um, now, since we're talking about legal essentials, legal requirements for coaching businesses, we cannot talk about this topic without addressing your obligations when it comes to your finances, record keeping, and bank accounts. As a business, whether you're an LLC, whether you're a corporation, doesn't matter. Even if you were, even if you were a sole proprietor, I would still recommend you do this. Have separate bank accounts. For some business structures, this is absolutely required by law, such as for LLCs and corporations. For uh, sole proprietorships, it's not legally required, but I would say have it. Have separate business bank accounts for your business and never mingle personal funds with business funds. This means your business funds go into your business account. Do not get cash out of your business account. Always use proper legal methods of paying yourself, paying your employees, writing a check, creating an audit trail where that money went and for what purpose. So this is essential. Record keeping, bookkeeping, when it comes to your bank accounts um, and general financial accounts is extremely important. It falls under the uh, formalities that you need to abide by in order to maintain that limited liability protection that most business structures provide you, such as the LLCs and corporations. So be sure to follow through, be sure to do everything the way you're supposed to do when it comes to your accounts and never ever mingle your personal funds with your business funds. This is a surefire way of losing that limited liability protection and making sure that your personal is not protected from your business debts. If you keep do that, doing that, then even if you have an LLC, even if you have a corporation in place, process of piercing the corporate veil, which is what we call it, will take place, which means now your business and personal are no longer separated by a veil. It was pierced. So your business debts and assets can trickle down to your personal level and your personally, your bank accounts, your house, your cars, anything you have can be used towards paying your business debts and liabilities. So make sure to keep everything separate so that you don't have to worry about your personal assets being used for any of that. Insurance is the other thing that I want to talk to you about. Insurance is very important to have. If you're a physical business, you have different insurances that you need to worry about. For example, a premises liability insurance. If somebody slips and falls, for example, you need to have that kind of a protection in place. But when you're an online business, when you're a coaching business, you don't really need premises liability. What you do need are business insurances, liability or malpractice insurances. Your policy limits and the types will usually depend on the type of business you are, the type of topics you talk about, meaning how high is the risk level in your business. If you're in, like, let's say health coaching niche, weight loss, um, legal, money, 
then these are niches that uh, automatically carry higher liability with them, higher risk with them, because the chances that somebody will take advice that you've given them or information that you shared with them and use it for their own businesses is high. Uh, This also means that there is a chance that that person will be put at a disadvantage because of your advice or hopefully at an advantage. But if they're put at a disadvantage, like they can come after you. So you want to have that insurance in place, a malpractice or business liability insurance in place to protect yourself against any future claims and causes. Now, this next part, I don't uh, feel like Uh, is a, you know, rocket science. Everybody should know this, but stay updated on current practices and laws that change um, related to your business. So if a law has changed that now requires you to, let's say, obtain specific type of certification or pay specific type of fee at a certain time, you need to make sure that you're kept updated and you do this because, you know, as they say, ignorance of the law is not a defense. So do your best to stay updated, to do everything that you're supposed to be doing in your business uh, to make sure it is legally protected. And one other thing that I want to mention, and this is highly important and connects back to a lot of the points that we've already talked about, such as having contracts, understandable contracts that will be legally binding, having insurance in place, making sure that you're kept updated. All of this can be tied with this next point that I want to make, and that is to know your scope of practice to know your scope of knowledge and to stay within that scope when you're offering coaching services, when you're offering advice or group coaching. Your scope is the field within which you're the expert. It's the scope where you have the knowledge expertise or experience to share with other people to give legal advice. Your scope is also can be geographic in nature. If you're limited to working with particular types of clients in a particular area, stay within that scope. If you're required to only talk about particular topic in a particular way, stay within that scope. For example, if you're, let's say, a branding coach, that's your scope. You talk about branding. What's not your scope is to talk about taxes, to give legal advice on taxes or to talk about uh, legal advice on intellectual property because that's not your scope. You might know basics about it. You can mention it, but you cannot talk about it in a way where you're actually teaching people because that's not your scope because chances are the advice, the information that you share can be taken and used in a way that will put your clients at a disadvantage or at a harm level. So know your scope, define it for yourself and stay within your scope to avoid a lot of legal headaches that otherwise will come into play. 
So these were the points that I wanted to make today when it comes to legal essentials for starting a coaching business or for scaling a coaching business. Make sure that you have listened to this. Make sure that you have taken note and you can go back and fix what needs to be fixed. Now, my law firm is available to help you with any of the services that you might require but I actually wanted to share another offer with you or a program with you that um, I'm launching very soon. This is my signature program, Business Lawyer at Your Fingertips. This is meant to act as if you have a personal business attorney on retainer for your business. So this program is comprehensive. It includes all kinds of contracts and agreements. It includes a lot of guides, checklists, educational, instructional videos and how-tos. For example, somebody infringes your copyright, what to do? Instead of going into various Facebook groups and asking people or typing something to search on Google for a response. Now, all you need to do is go into the program, go into the copyright infringement section and follow the steps that are there for you one step at a time. So this program is comprehensive. This program will be useful for your entire business. If you're somebody who's earning multiple five to six figures and you don't mind doing some of the things yourself as long as you know how to do them, then this program is a goldmine. There is nothing like that out there. And I say nothing like that out there because there are some programs that are similar to this, but they're different because mine is as comprehensive as it gets. And I'm a currently practicing attorney and the topics that I teach you are topics that I offer as services in my law firm. And because I'm a currently practicing attorney, my level of liability is high. That means anything I put out as a product needs to have certain standards attached to it. Otherwise, as an attorney, I can be held liable for providing incorrect information. So, if you're interested, make sure to connect back to me. Send me an email uh, or a comment below if you're watching this um, or if you're listening to this episode on my website. If you're not, send me an email at Miriam at miriamsadorian.com. Put all the information in the show notes for you if you want to learn more about this. I have a beta launch that is coming up for 10 people only. You can be part of the beta or... You can wait a month for the full big launch that's going to happen that will give you access to everything your business needs to be legally protected, legally compliant. When I say this is comprehensive, I mean it. Like if somebody came to me, to my law firm to hire me to do everything that I'm going to provide you in this program, I would charge no less than $50,000 to start with. Uh, so I am not joking when I saying this is comprehensive and includes so much in it. Anyways, um, I'm going to conclude today's episode. That was just a little announcement for you to know that that program is available and it is available for a beta launch 
very soon. So if you want to find out more, get in touch with me. Uh, as far as today's episode is concerned, I hope that what we talked about, you know, all these legal essentials, the foundations that you need to have in place as a coach, if you're starting your coaching business or scaling it, that everything we've talked about is clear and understandable. And if you require clarification on any of this, get in touch with me. I am literally an email away from you. I'm also available to you on social media. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. We'll talk soon next Thursday. Bye-bye.